This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome to episode 40 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. So it's Sean Basto, your host as always. Back after having a week off, after having a very hectic week. I've just been saying to our guest co-host today that it's been a very hectic week, a very warm week for everybody. Great weather. Football's on. Everybody's been concentrating on the football, as we know. But... This is a boxing podcast and tonight we're going to be talking about all last weekend's action. We'll touch on some of the stuff that we've not been able to cover uh, due to there not being an episode last week. We're going to touch on some of the fights that are coming up this weekend as well. Uh, and I'm glad to get Hamad Zaman back on the podcast. Hamad, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Sean, how's it going? How are you? Is everything alright? Yeah, you know, like I said to you um, a couple of days ago, it's just been a bit of a hectic time. With I'm, I'm moving, so for all the guys that listen to the podcast, I'm actually in the middle of moving at the moment, so it's uh, it's really hectic. And then I went to a couple of shows, and if you follow the Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat YouTube channel, you'll see the videos that I've done. You know, I interviewed Callum Johnson last weekend. We, you know, we managed to get Huey Fury at one of the shows in London. So it's you know it's been a bit of a busy time getting all the videos up on on there. And, and just while we're on that note, actually, for the guys that are listening to the podcast, if you've not already followed uh, the YouTube channel and subscribed to it, please just head over there, take a couple of seconds of your day and just hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Uh, start supporting the YouTube channel because we're getting more and more great interviews with really big name fighters now and the more, we're getting to more shows we've got guys in London, guys in Scotland, you know we've even got someone representing Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat in California now as well so it's it's growing and growing but obviously to, to, we need everything to grow with it so we need the YouTube channel and because there's that many out there I know it's a difficult one and you'll only subscribe to one or two because you'll only like to watch one or two so if you can get over there and subscribe to it it'd be much appreciated and fantastic support for us so enough of me rambling on about the youtube channel now let's move on to what we're here to talk about which is boxing and this week 
we've got all the fights from over the weekend. We're going to discuss the boxing history this week. Two two big fights on there from the times gone by. And then we've got this weekend where there is a, quite a few notable fights. But this week probably is more about a lot of the speculation, a lot of the announcements that have gone on. I think that's what the main focus of the show will probably be on today because there's so much going on this week. And I'm actually glad I'm recording it towards the end of the week because we wouldn't have had half of these announcements otherwise. So got a great show, Hamed. It's going to be a really interesting one today. So let's go to what I think was probably the biggest fight of last weekend, which was Josh Taylor and Victor Postol. Uh, Hamed, I'll hand it over to you. What did you make of that fight? I thought it was a really good fight. Uh, I think the scorecards are going to be the major talking point uh, at the end of the fight. I think that's what ended up being the main talking point. But let's not forget, it was a really good fight. And I, I think it was much closer what the, than what the scorecard had. It. I thought the right guy won. I thought Josh Taylor won. But I had it about 7-5. I think I could go as far as saying 6-6 six, six was about probably about fair. I think the knockdown probably won it for Taylor. Maybe but I, I could see it as far as 7-5-8-4 Josh Taylor. But I don't know how you could give him 10 rounds or 11 rounds. Uh, that's way too wide. Uh, I thought Postol was really game. I had him up after six rounds, about four two. I had him up, I think, about se- after seven rounds, about five two up as well. I thought Josh Taylor kind of uh, showed how to come back from adversity, and I think he was kept as well. And he was, I thought, getting beaten up uh, and beaten to the punch in the first five six rounds, and he kind of answered quite a lot of questions. I think Postol showed that he's still dangerous, still a top notch fighter, and I think that was a really good win. It's definitely going to take uh, Taylor to a higher level now he could I think compete with the champions and I think uh, I think he answered quite a lot of questions that a lot of people had uh, he certainly I think answered the questions I wanted to see like I wanted to see if he could take a punch which he did I wanted to see if he could come back through adversity which he did and I think that was a really good win I mean only the second guy to beat Postal after Terence Crawford and we, I mean Crawford is one of the premier pound for pound number one fighters in the sport or one or two and I think that was a really good win yeah no, I agree uh, with pretty much everything you've said and the scorecard yeah, definitely a talking point because they weren't the right scorecards. I, if I was a scoring judge in that fight, I think I would have given it two rounds to to Josh Taylor in that fight. He won the fight, that's that's for sure. But I don't think it was as wide as what they had it, and it it, it kind of it it pours a little bit of um pours a little bit of negativity on 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 the fight, but not the performance because the performance from Josh Taylor was brilliant. He came back from various parts of the fight where you kind of feel like Postol was taking over and maybe the experience of Postol was going to, you know, outshine Taylor in this one. But he didn't, it didn't, and, that, and that's what was great about it. And, and Taylor shown that he belonged at world level. And beating someone like Victor Postol, as you say, Hamed, he's only been beaten by Terence Crawford. So to, to me now, yeah. that makes that makes him up there as, as one of the best fighters in the division. He's beat Victor Postol, who's also beat Lucas Matisse who's fighting Pacquiao, Manny Pacquiao, in the welterweight division. So it just goes to show you that that victory was a massive win for him, really. Yeah, you know, he he knocked him down. He didn't knock him out, but comprehensively, he did beat him. And he was the clear winner on the night. And now, 
a lot of doors are going to open for him and that's the exciting thing from from a perspective of, of Great Britain and having fighters over in Great Britain Josh Taylor representing Scotland you know he, he's, he's the next big Scottish fighter isn't he basically after Ricky Burns now he's, he's kind of take, starting to sort of take Ricky Burns' mantelpiece a little bit whilst Ricky Burns is still around and probably we will still have, still have one or two more meaningful fights before he does call it a day and Josh Taylor's now the one everybody's looking to now and you know look at what Ricky Burns did freeweight world champion Josh Taylor heading towards his first world title by the looks of it and fair play to him you know since that win over O'Hara Davis he's really stepped up a level each time and I'm, I'm really pleased for him and I'm really looking forward to seeing where he goes now because he's given us what we want to see you know people that are critics of fighters want to see him come overcome adversity they want to see if he can take a punch like you say and he's, he's, he's delivered all that in the fight so now it's time for him to step up and, and get a big big shot at a title now and, and that's what I am excited for with, with Josh Taylor Yeah I think it's really good the fact that he fought Postal in like a I'd say it was a kind of crossroads fight uh, in terms of like being a 50-50 fight and I think the winner was bound to go on to challenge for a title. I think the loser was going to kind of knock, uh, step down a level and I think this is really good fights like this should be happening in boxing and I I don't think I don't think too many of the British fighters are being put into these type of fights and I've definitely been a critic of a lot of British uh, fighters uh, uh, that failed to do this. I think Taylor, I think has had of was about 12 or 13 fights and he's managed to get in the ring with Postal and he won the fight and I think he's been promoted very well uh, fighting on Channel 5 and uh, by Barry McGuigan Cyclone Promotions and I'd like to see more British fighters um, or Irish British Irish fighters uh, take the route like this uh, try and once they're on that level where they uh, beat in the British domestic level fighters handily uh, kind of move on and challenge these world uh, level fighters, his ex-champions, and try and see if he could, you know, do it, uh, win these fights in, uh, in I don't know, in a quick, a quick a quicker succession than other British fighters, and try and see if they could become a champion as soon as possible, and that's what I liked about this fight, and I think it was a really good fight as well, let's not forget that, uh, I think the scorecards uh, uh, have kind of t- taken a, uh, I, I wouldn't say the sp- spotlight over it, but it's definitely kind of tarnished a bit of the uh, image of the fight, but I definitely think we shouldn't forget this was a great fight, a uh, great effort and flow, and I think it was one of my favourite fights of this year, uh, definitely domestically in this country. Do you think now that um, now we've had the announcement uh, of fighters in the super lightweight World Boxing Super Series tournament, do you think it's a possibility that Taylor might might be announced as one of them? Uh, I've heard two sides to this story. I've heard that Taylor's management team don't want to enter the tournament. I've heard they, they want to get the fight with Ramirez, who's, I think, is he the WBC? Yeah, champion, yeah, he is, if yeah. I'm correct. And uh, I, I've heard that Ramirez is not entering. I think that's a great shame if they both don't enter it. But I'd like to see that fight. I think that's probably one of the best fights in the weight class. I think we've got Progray sitting on the sidelines as well, who's probably end up being a champion. Uh, if I'm correct, is he already a champion? Yeah, is he's the interim. Is the interim version of WBC champion. So essentially, he sits behind Ramirez in the packing order. Alright, so yeah, he, he'll he'll bound to be challenging and the winner of that fight. If uh, I think Ramirez has got some sort of tune-up lined up, if I'm correct, I think it's Daniel Connor, and I think it's a very open division now. The fact that Crawford's moved up and he was such a dominant uh, 140 fighter, and I think before that we had like a tough weight class. I think I don't think Taylor and a lot of these fighters would have. Uh, 
been favoured against guys like I think it was uh, Danny Garcia and uh, I think it was uh, if I if I can recall I think it was uh, Khan as well when he was at 140 and it was kind of a tough division I think you had Bradley but I think since Crawford's moved up I think he's uh, opened up and uh, I'd definitely like to see Taylor in that tournament if he if they could get if they could uh, come to agreement and get him in that tournament well I mean if they do it'd be great but like you say there's a possibility that ain't going to happen they're going to go on a, down, down a different route and maybe Ramirez will enter it maybe uh, Pagrai will enter it as well I don't know we're just going to have to sort of see what they announce throughout the week to be honest and see see how it goes because they're announcing it every day this week so as we're speaking tomorrow we'll probably get another announcement and you know we'll, we'll start speculating even more about how things are going to go but as far as I'm concerned for now for Josh Taylor he, he, he's definitely ready for a world title shot he's definitely ready for a world title shot and he's definitely could be I'd probably say a lot of the world champions uh, people might say what I'm, well, you know, Sean, what are you talking about here? I think you're uh, punching punching above your weight a little bit with that comment there. But you, I do genuinely believe that after what I've seen from him and the way he's levelled up in the past few fights, he could definitely give anyone a very difficult night. And, and I'm looking forward to sort of seeing where he goes now and, and, and how Cyclone take him. And Cyclone have been criticised a lot in the past for management of fighters. And this is one fighter they're, actually, they're doing a really good job with. And they're really doing a good job with him. And I think they're taking him in the right direction. And they need to continue to do that as long as they continue to do that hopefully we will see the right the right fights for Taylor and, and the, the right progression over you know the next 12 to 18 months but moving on no, the- I, I was just going to say I, I uh, sorry about that I was sorry. just going to say I completely agree with what you say and I, I think as well uh, he's definitely ready for uh, world title fight I mean I think Postel arguably was probably one of the best fighters in the weight class because I think looking back at Crawford's resume that's probably the best guy he's fought and and uh, I think uh, Taylor beating Postol has definitely answered a lot of questions. I think Postol was a worthy champion when he was uh, prior to the fight with Crawford after he lost he lost his belt as well. But I think uh, that definitely answers a lot of questions. I think we've had a couple of names in the tournament. I think it's uh, Baranacek, if I'm pronouncing it right, and a couple of others, I think. And uh, I think we're just waiting for that star name to pop up in the tournament. But at the moment, I think everything is looking right at, in that weight class. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's move on now and let's talk about some of the other fights over the weekend I've not picked every single fight on the list because we'd be here all night talking about it but there's a couple of notable ones that I do want to want to touch on and, and briefly talk about the next one on the list was on the same bill Chantel Cameron picking up another victory in round 6 at TKO moves to 7-0 and and she's starting to another fighter that's being being you know looked after by Cyclone and she's starting to progress really well and I think she's going to be the next the potentially the next female world champion you know, I think I think it's going to be between her and maybe Natasha Jonas, a bit of a next next level world champion. I think Jonas has been announced for um, the Cardina and Dodd bill uh, in 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 Cardiff. So then I think Eddie Hearn will move Jonas on. But I think in terms of Cameron, I think Cyclone are doing a great job and she's doing a great job. And I think she's she's ready for a world title. I mean, we've talked about this before, Hamed. The depths of the women's division, you know, they're not very deep, are they? And this this is where you get to see the fighters stepping up very early on because there isn't a a wealth of uh, or a depth of fighters, female fighters in the divisions. So they haven't got much of a choice but to step them up as as soon as they can. And I think she's ready for it now, Chantal Cameron. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's uh, it's like an open pool. there's not many well-known uh, fighters in the in the female boxing, and I think uh, 
as soon as someone like that could just grasp uh, a shot and try and become a champion, and I, I think they could just uh, take the opportunity if they can, if they got a title shot. And uh, like I said, since it's open pool, I mean, there's not much, uh, not much talent we are aware of. Probably is that's why it's so much, uh, it's so much uh, time for not time. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm recording what I'm saying. Uh, the fact that there's not much, uh, not many household names in female boxing is, I think, shows that is open. A lot of these divisions are open, and I think all it takes is one or two fights, and you could be challenging for a title. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's funny because Chantal Cameron is actually in the same weight category as Katie Taylor, who, who, who we've seen, and, and and that's if you look on box rec, you look at box rec's rankings and the way they do it. She's actually uh, third in the list behind Katie Taylor, and number one is Delphine Pearson. So. You, you can kind of see that she's, she's you know, with, with the depths of the division only being, uh, you know, a hand, you know, not not a handful, but, you know, in comparison to sort of men's boxing, you've only got, uh, you know, around about 100, 130 fighters, female fighters in that particular division across the whole of the world. So you've not got a massive pool of fighters to, to sort of choose from, especially when you're looking to... To, to, to progress and to step up and Chantal Cameron's ranked as third according to BoxRack behind Katie Taylor so where does she go from here I mean there's, there's a quite a good couple of fights in there that she could she could go for I mean Katie Taylor's uh, last opponent uh, Jessica McCaskill you know she could fight her that'd be a good fight for, for Cameron I think and maybe then I think we're, we've got to be looking at her getting getting a title shot potentially against Katie Taylor because Katie Taylor's now now 9-0 and, oh, and she's got a you know a, a, an opponent books in for the 28th for the uh, the White Parker bill she's fighting Kimberly Connor who's 13 and 3 she's defending the two world titles she's got and then they've got another date booked in for her for the 22nd of September and, and maybe you know that that's when we'll possibly see one of the British fighters step up and, and, and fight her I mean I hope so I hope I hope you know the British British fighters come off and we get these, these big fights coming through but it's difficult when it comes to women's boxing like you say and we've both said it and it's because it's not a, a, a massive, massive depth of fighters to, to sort of pick from and choose from. You can only fight so many people and so many fighters before you got to say, right, I've got to step it up now. And the only way to step it up is to fight someone who's potentially a world champion. So uh, good luck to her. Good luck to Chantal Cameron because I'm really looking forward to seeing whether yeah. she, ever get, she ever gets it on with Katie Taylor. Yeah, you, you want to see the best fight the best. So, I mean, if you can make that fight, that'll be good. Uh, and that's, I think, the same aspect you want to see in, the, in men's pro boxing. But I think the difference is a lot more talent. And I think there's always uh, new avenues opening up in, in the men's boxing. But, I, I mean, you want to see the best fight the best. Yeah. Least, I think in both aspects. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, on that same card, Hamed, we had uh, another heavyweight prospect, uh, Martin Bacoli, who's originally from... Uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo but he's residing in Airdrie in Scotland and he bases himself there with Billy Nelson and he keeps picking up these uh, these great victories and uh, Saturday was no was no different he picked up a first round stoppage against DL Jones on Saturday night and just, again just looked really really good doing it I mean DL Jones you'll know him from when he fought Daniel Dubois earlier on this year and was yeah. was undefeated at that point in his career but he's you know he's Martin Picola he's, he's been talked about on social media by a lot of other different media outlets and some of the guys that do the podcast down south they mention him a lot and there's a lot of chat
that going on on social media, especially on Twitter about him, and I, I, I can see why. I can see why he, he looks really, really good. He's, he's he's definitely got a punch on him. That's for sure. Eleven wins, eight knockouts. He looks like he uh, he could definitely beat some of the big fighters uh, domestically at this point. I mean, it's a, again bold statements here from me tonight, but uh, looking at what he's done so far and looking at the way he's dispatching of people, and he seems like a really really tough man. I think he could beat some some big fighters. I really do. So uh, I'm really looking forward to Bacola and seeing how he how he goes on. Billy Nelson, he's always raving about him on social media and like I say so a, a few of the other podcasting guys that are across the country doing their own thing they're always raving about him so you know when Twitter's talking you know that uh, there's definitely something there there's definitely something big coming from Martin Bacoli but what have you made of him so far uh, as a fighter and, and, and the way he started to progress over his last few fights I think the highlights of the fight uh, I'll see I was very impressed by Bacola just on the eye test uh, he passes the eye test I think we need to see the litmus test now I think we just need someone to kind of give him a fight to challenge him I think uh, the way he dispatched uh, D.L. Jones if I'm correct if I'm pronouncing his name correct was very impressive I mean the way he just stopped him and I, I've heard him as well uh, mentioned on I think a couple of other podcasts I think it was a new age boxing and uh, I, I think uh, I heard uh, I think I heard some saying he's been sparring with the likes of Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury and I think Daniel Dobar so I mean he's definitely a talent and one to keep an eye on and I think um, I think Al Winstein was saying if he wins his next fight I think or I think he might or if I'm correct he might uh, be ranked already top 15 I think and I think that's that'll be good if it is I think if he wins his next fight he'll be ranked top 15 in the world that'll be really good I think if they could get his name up and I think he could be you know looking to challenge uh, one of the top 10 guys uh, or even top 15 uh, sooner rather than later and I think that'll be really good but he definitely passes the item I really, I really like to see more of him in the future yeah me too me too definitely is one that I like I say a lot of people go on about and now you know why now you know why uh, moving on then um, Ahmed going over to the Bill um, BT Sport and going over to Martin Murray beating Robert Garcia for the WBC silver middleweight title so he picks up the silver middleweight title he looks alright doing it he doesn't look too bad I don't think it was the greatest performance in the world he were fighting a bit of a rough and ready Robert Garcia he was uh, he seems to be a bit frustrated in that fight and got a little bit dirty at times but comfortable win for Martin Murray there and, and, and getting that WBC silver middleweight title it means that if he defends that title now just once he becomes the mandatory for the WBC title who currently held by Triple G so I don't think he'd want to go down that route again uh, it didn't end well for him last time <laughs> against Triple G so uh, I couldn't see him really wanting to go down that route but I'm sure if, if the opportunity came he'd take it but um, in Martin Murray then um, I'll give you my take on him at this stage of his career I, I've watched his career for, for for quite a while and I've seen what he's done and he was very unlucky not to get a victory over Felix Sturm in Germany with a draw he was very lucky against Sergio Martinez in Argentina in fact I, I could probably go as far as to say he was probably robbed in that fight and obviously Golovkin dismantled him and he got beat off George Groves, Martin Murray and you kind of feel like his career was sort of going backwards and maybe it was finished but he seems to have brought it back a little bit now and he was supposed to fight Billy Joe Saunders on this night and he was supposed to fight for Billy Joe's title but obviously we had the we had the fake out injury from Billy Joe and the whole Golovkin fight saga and Canelo and all that sort of came about and kind of it's left Billy Joe in a situation where it's, it's sounding like on social media he 
might be fighting James the Gale. So there's, there's so much that's gone on in the past couple of weeks. It's, it's, it's unreal and you just don't always know how much of it is actually true. But going back to Martin and Martin Murray's performance, I, I felt like he uh, I felt like he looked okay. I don't think it was his greatest performance in the world, but he's at the back end of his career for me now. I, I, I don't feel I don't know if he has got a big world title winning performance left in him now. I think the, the closest he got to it for me was against Felix Sturm and he, he was he was for me he was robbed in that fight just like Macklin was probably not as bad as Macklin was robbed in the fight with Felix Sturm but I still felt he, he could have edged that one the Sergio Martinez fight that was ridiculous he's think he should have won that one but again it was in Argentina so you know there you go he lost to Golovkin then he loses to Arthur Abraham in another challenge and then he loses to George Groves and he's come back he had a good win against Gabriel Brazado he had a good win in uh, his last fight on the 16th of September last year and then he had Robert Garcia and <sighs> I'm huffing and puffing because I feel a little bit frustrated I feel like I don't I don't think for me Martin Murray's going to become a world champion as much as he, he feels he is himself I don't think he is I don't think he's I don't think he's going to get it now I think he's a 35 year old I, there's a chance he could fight the WBC champ which could still be Golovkin after September and if it is I, I don't really rate his chances of beating Golovkin I really don't what do you make what do you make of Martin Murray then at this stage of his career and I know you didn't get a chance to fully catch up with the performance but in terms of what Murray's done and where he is what do you see happening for him now? I think uh, Murray's in a tough predicament. I mean, I think he tried moving up to super middleweight after the fight with Golovkin and he was simply outsized against Groves and he was out of his depth. He's not a super middleweight so I don't think he's going to be thinking about moving back up and I mean a middleweight, Golovkin's got all the belt. Uh, I think you said his last chance was kind of his closest chance he came was against Sturm but I think his last chance saloon was kind of against Billy Joe Saunders and I think the fact that Billy Joe Saunders denied him the opportunity twice by pulling out the kind of probably left a tainted taste in his uh, mouth because now I think uh, he's going to either have to try and go down the route of Golovkin and try and become his mandatory challenger or the winner of Golovkin and Canelo and I think that's a tough cask I mean I, I think he'll be a huge underdog again against Golovkin and I think Canelo as well I don't think they could draw, uh, bring Canelo over here and I mean beating Canelo is no easy ask I mean you, you, he'll probably have to probably be up against the judges as well but even just beating Canelo is a big ask and I think I've heard him say he, he he won't mind signing up to fight Saunders again, but there'll have to be some sort of uh, some sort of uh, penalisation for Saunders in the contract if he pulls out. And I think that's not a bad idea. But I think people are kind of sick of this. Uh, if they are going to schedule to fight again, I mean, we we kind of got sick of it for uh, for him uh, Saunders to pull out twice. And I. God knows how Murray went through those training camps. And I'm not too sure if she wants to go through it again. But I mean, there is, uh, there are other fights as well. I mean, there's guys with secondary title belts. And I think there's Morata from Japan. He could challenge him if he wants to. Or he could he could keep his mandatory uh, 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 status and try and become the actual mandatory challenger, number one challenger, and defend that silver belt, WBC silver belt. And just wait uh, to see who's the champion when he is actually a co- uh, when he is instated and called in as the number one mandatory challenger whether or not Golovkin is still the champion you don't know I mean Golovkin is 36 uh, 
Uh, I agree with you. I think it is a tough ask. I think he's had many opportunities. I think he was unlucky against Martinez in Argentina. I think he scored a couple of knockdowns. And I, I thought that was a close fight. And I definitely could see why a lot of people thought Murray got robbed. I think he was unlucky against Sturm as well. I thought Macklin got robbed. I thought the Macklin fight was a, a worse decision. I think uh, Murray got to draw with Sturm. I don't think it was the worst decision. I think I could see a draw in that fight. Uh, I think he lost to Abraham. Uh, I think that was... Ibrahim, uh, I thought, clearly won that fight. It was a close fight. And uh, he, I think he was out of uh, his depth against Groves and he was simply too small. Uh, I think he'll have to just wait and see what he could do now. And uh, who holds the WBC belt when he is the actual mandatory number one challenger. But it'll be a tough ask. And I don't think he wants to be known as the Neely man. But, I mean, boxing is a harsh and tough business. And uh, sometimes uh, a lot of these guys don't really get the chance of fulfilling the ambition of becoming a world champion. Uh, that's why I think I don't really read too much into it because I think there's so many titles in a way and when you go in certain work classes, when you go a dominant champion, sometimes it is quite hard to become a champion if that dominant champion has got all the belts. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, in my mind, I, I don't really see him getting that world title. Uh, I, I'm afraid to say it. I mean, I'd love him to get the world title. I'd love all British fighters to get world titles, to be fair. Um, I mean, I, I think it, if he earns his way back to it, then yeah, absolutely, go for it. But there was people like Paul Smith, who recently retired, who he didn't earn his way back to some of the title fights he had, and he kind of got given them. And and that's what I didn't really like about the, the, at the end of Paul Smith's career is that there were fights he were given and he didn't deserve them whereas if Murray's working his way back which he is doing and he gets an opportunity then fair play to him if, if you know if he, if he gets the opportunity if he doesn't succeed at least he's tried I mean like you say Hamed you've said it yourself it's a tough tough sport and some guys go in there with the ambition of becoming the world champion and never achieve that ambition and he won't want to be known as the nearly man you're right but yeah. at least he, he has forged some of a some some great he's been a great Great career for him, given what his past was like. You know, you, if you know Martin Murray and you know about Martin Murray's past, you'll know uh, of the checkered past that he had. So for him to turn his life around the way he has, uh, become a world title challenger on what four separate occasions, maybe a fifth separate occasion against some of the best fighters that we've seen in a generation. When you look at it like that, it's not too shabby, really. It's not too shabby at all. Only some some guys could only dream of actually even getting to that point. So we'll see. I'm not counting him out yet, but if he was to fight Golovkin, uh, I couldn't see any way, shape, or form he could beat him. So we'll have to wait and see how it goes for him. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's probably got another title shot in left in him. And I mean, what's the worst? I mean, he might as well roll the dice and have another title. Uh, tilt at him. I agree with you on Paul Smith. I think that was very bad. I don't know if it's just the promoters uh, being so powerful and having the word with the sanctioned body and somehow getting that fight. I think it was Paul Smith getting the title fight against, uh, I think it's Tyron Zoyga. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the most undeserved title shots in recent history. But I mean, um, going back to Martin Murray, I think, I think he's probably still got a chance of uh, uh, fighting for a title and challenging for another title. I mean, he like you said, he is, uh, I think, one fight away from being a mandatory challenger for the WBC title. I think there's other routes as well. I mean, Marata from Japan holds, uh, like I said, the second tier WBA belt. I mean, if he wants to, he could go another route if Golovkin, if he doesn't fancy the rematch with Golovkin. Or he could just wait and just see how it plays out. I mean, the middleweight division is really uh, bubbling up. Now you've got like eight or nine, I think, 
uh, top middleweights. And I mean, you could make about three or four very good fights. Uh, and uh, I think Murray will probably fancy his chances against some of these guys or at least uh, want to test his will against them. And if they all fight each other, you never know. Golovkin could end up uh, losing against one of them or, or even his next fight against Canelo. And I think Murray will probably won't mind challenging one of these guys if it's Canelo or if it's Derechenko or any of these guys, whoever holds the WBC belt at the time. Well, let's get moving on to the next uh, part of that particular card and a couple of notable fights on there we'll briefly touch on. Hamed O'Hara Davis, uh, a colourful character outside the ring for sure. Says a lot of things on Twitter and then regrets it. Stopped Paul Kamanga in the the weekend in round two and that knockout was... uh, Pretty brutal looking, to be honest. <laughs> I watched it a few times uh, repeatedly because it was uh, it was quite <laughs> it was brutal to say the least. But O'Hara Davis, on a serious note, he's rebuilding after that Josh Taylor loss, where he sort of seemingly quit the fight. He's he's rebuilding himself now. Now he's moved over with promoters. He's he's starting to rebuild his career. He's starting to forge his career a bit more now. And he is looking for another big fight. Will he get it? Yeah, he probably will get it. He'll probably talk his way into it. Um, (laughs) Well, it's true, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the stuff that he does is is the talking. And he is a big talker. And sometimes he says stuff that uh, is below the belt. And sometimes he says stuff which you'll actually sit there and go, you know, what i agree with you there mate i do but he, he brings something different to, to, to the ring and he's he's a bit unorthodox sometimes he can be a bit lazy a bit laxy daisy in the ring but he is there's no question about the fact that he is a talented fighter and i think we need to see him now in another big fight again now i think uh he got beat up josh taylor got a lot of stick for seemingly sort of turning his back and quitting essentially that's what it looked like mm. but He's, he's built himself back up now, changed promoters, seems to be a little bit better with the way he handles the social media. I'm not saying he's uh, too much better, but he's just a tiny bit better than what he was before. So, what would you like to see him do now? Now, he, now he's just gone in and beat Paul Kamanga over the weekend. Yeah, I'd like to see him uh, definitely up the competition. I think since the defeat, he's uh, kind of uh, been fighting guys... Uh, He's meant to beat. I think uh, someone has seen on one of the other podcasts. They'd like to see him fight Jack Catterall. I think. I, I don't think that would be a bad fight. I mean, I think Catterall might have a fight. I think is it this weekend. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm correct, but uh, I think uh, that's not too bad of a fight. Uh, you'd definitely like to see him fight uh, one of the other top prospects in his weight class. If not, the challenge. I don't know. I'd say one of the top ten guys. Uh, in the weight uh, class, I mean, uh, I think he probably would want to have a rematch with Josh Taylor, but I'm not too sure if um, many people will be clamoring to see that again. I think he quite beat, beat quite handily, and uh, and I think that was kind of a bad loss. I mean, but I think he's kind of regrouped and come back, as you said, seeing promoters. I, I think I'd like to see him kind of uh, uh, step up a level now, back to the level he was kind of going in that direction right, where he fought Josh Taylor. I thought that was another great fight with both prospects kind of stepped up and one kind of elevated himself to the higher level. I think I'd like to see him kind of go back on that level and try and, uh, you know, try and see if he could challenge for a title as well. But as of right now, I think he's probably in the right direction and 
heading in the right direction and doing all the right things. I think the fight Catterall is a good fight. Uh, Catterall is fighting this weekend. We will talk about that a little bit later. He's fighting more detail, but you know, assuming Catterall comes through his fight the weekend, there the, there is a big opportunity, a big fight there to to be made. I think with that one, and, and I think that would be the logical step to take in the current division in the current categories. Because I mean, you look around domestically for for O'Hara Davis at the moment, and really the only other people that are around for him to fight, you've got you know Robbie Davis Jr., Glenn Foot, Josh Lever, uh, you you know Jack Catterall, and then above that, really the only other two two big fighters you could look at is Terry Flanagan and Josh Taylor, which they're not going to take an O'Hara Davis fight at this stage of the career Josh Taylor's already beat him he's moving on up Terry Flanagan's just come off the back of a loss to Maurice Hooker and will be looking for another big fight I would imagine at this stage of his career he won't want to essentially step down a level which is what that would be he'd be stepping back down to say say British title level to fight someone like O'Hara Davis and we've had this conversation me and you Hamid about Terry Flanagan a few weeks back actually about the difficulty sometimes he has with the, the, the ticket sales and things like um, I think stepping back to fight O'Hara Davis isn't something he needs to be doing. He'll need to be pushing on for another big fight. We'll talk about Terry Flanagan another time. This is about actually. O- uh, actually, I think because uh, I think we thought uh, Flanagan was going to win the fight. We did. I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's a bad fight. I think. Uh, I mean, Flanagan is going to have to go back to the drawing board, and I, I'm just looking at the rankings. You got Taylor one, Flanagan two, Catterall three, and O'Hara Davis four. I mean, if we can't make the Catterall fight. Uh, I think Flanagan and O'Hara Davis is not too bad of a fight. I mean, Flanagan, like you said, can't draw as was oh, not the household name he wants to be. And uh, I think a fight with O'Hara Davis might just get, uh, you know, some people interest. I mean, Davis knows how to sell a fight. And I remember his fight with Derrick Matthews, the way he was just talking. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't rule that fight out. I don't think that's that bad of a fight. But like you said, it's up to tell Flanagan if he wants to stay at that level and, you know, just fight someone in the top 10 again, then he could. But I mean, normally the logical move is to kind of step down a level and try and get a rack up a couple of W's. But we'll see when Terry Flanagan in what direction goes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, moving on then, Hamed. Let's go to two more fights on that card that we wanted to bring up on today's episode. And quite a uh, controversial uh, character in Anthony Yard, uh, beating Darius Sasek over the weekend, who'd never been stopped or put down prior to fighting Anthony Yard, who beat him in the seventh round. Anthony Yard, a fighter who's twice been offered the shot at a world title and his team have twice turned it down, only for Callum Johnson to pick it up, which we'll uh, we'll talk about in a little bit more detail later on in the show. So, Anthony Yard, I think, I've had this conversation with a few people um, at shows, actually, at some of the local shows, and he's been offered a, a good opportunity before, but... How many fights does he need, Hamed, before you want to see him step up? I mean, he's had quite a few fights now, hasn't he? I, th- I think with Anthony Yard, I think they've stepping him up and they've put him in against somebody who's never been stopped and yeah, never been dropped before. Yeah, it's a great achievement what he's done, but now I think you're kind of looking at it and thinking, right, he's, he's 16 fights in, he's got 15 KOs on his record, and you, you, I think now you're really... You want you want to see him step up now, and you want to see him fight another 
good light heavyweight fighter and when you look around domestically there is some really good light heavyweight fighters you've got the likes of Frank Buglione Jose Aberton they're two names I, I, I could safely say I'd like to see Anthony Anthony add in with before they push him on for the world title fight I mean people slag people are slagging him off because he's not took the world title fight they're saying if he, if he is the real deal why don't you put him in now and to, to be fair I could argue that point I could sit here and say well yeah he's had 16 fights how many more learning fights do you want to give him but he's not really gone through the domestic route yet and you could see him fight these domestic fighters first before he steps up to that level so a fight with Buglione or Josea Burton seems logical for me. The Buatzi fight was talked about a few weeks ago. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, but it's a fight I would watch and a fight that would be good. But would they take it, Yards team? I don't know, because it's a, in their sense, they're, they're, they're in two different points of the career. So I don't know if that would be a logical step for him to take. For me, Josea Burton, Frank Buglione, one of them two fighters is what he needs to fight next before he then looks at moving on to the world stage. But his performance, good performance on Saturday night. Happy with his performance. Just need to see him now in with a, a next level opposition for me. Uh, I think that's a good assessment that we had, but I think a lot of people are kind of losing interest in his career because, uh, like you said, how many fights does he need before stepping up? The thing I'll say this is that if you're, uh, if you're offered an opportunity against a world-level fighter, and we, I think we've heard that he, he's uh, like backtracking back to uh, with the domestic fighters, he did, I, I don't think he wanted to fight Jose Britton, or they kind of swerved him. And uh, I think the same issue was with Callum Johnson as well. And uh, if that's going to be the case, then, I mean, why just not challenge for a world title? Like, I mean, you can learn from a white world title fighter. If he's not ready, then fair enough. But, I mean, when is he going to be ready is, I think, a lot of the fans are asking. And I think a lot of the hardcore fans are asking as well. But I think I'd like to see him step up. I mean, the Black Sea fight, they really interest me. But I'm not too sure if that fight's going to happen with the promotional entities of Warren and Hearn. I don't think they'll probably come around to make that fight. Uh, I mean, what's the worst case scenario if you do step up? And I mean, look, I think he's David Day's career when he fought Carl Thompson. I know different trajectories, uh, completely different careers. Like, I'm not comparing his career to Yadam. He had a stellar amateur career, but I'm just saying that he fought, I think, Carl Thompson in his 11th fight or was the 10th fight for a, and his world title. I think it was the IBO world title. And he, got, he lost and he got knocked out in that fight. But he came back quite strong. I mean, defeats and uh, losses, sometimes you can learn a lot. I mean, if you haven't had a lot of amateur career, I think you can learn more than in some of your defeats and your victories. I mean, uh, the set guy he fought, I don't think was that good. Uh, I wasn't really too uh, sold on the matchup. I, I think he looked good, but I think he was meant to look good and he'd done everything which was asked for. I think he ticked all the boxes. But I think I'd like to see him step up in his next fight. Uh, I think we need to see him either... Either fight one of these top guys in the domestic scene, or if not, just kind of go the world title route, if not the European route. But he has to try and step up now. I think the, uh, the BT and Frank Warren, I think the promotion behind him needs to try and do something about this as well. Because, I mean, uh, he had, had about 16, is it 16 or 17 fights? Uh, he needs to try and get a move on. I mean, uh, he's been on the scene quite a lot. He's been hyped up for a while and... I don't think people, well, I don't think his people will want him, want him to be known as a hype job. I think they're trying to say he is the real deal. 
I think we just need to see a litmus test or someone who could give him the acid test or a good fight, whether or not that's domestically or on the worldwide scene, like whether or not it'd be like when Joshua fought Dillian White, which whether or not Boatsy could be that Dillian White of Anthony Yard, or whether or not he'll, he'll have to fight a world, a tough world title, you know, a world title fight. But I think he's swerved the world title fight now with what I've heard uh, with Baturbiev uh, and Kovalev. So I don't think uh, they're probably thinking of that, but I definitely like to see him fight someone ranked. I mean, I think they were talking about the Silva Barrera fight. I don't mind that fight. Uh, I'd like to see him fight someone who's uh, worthwhile or someone who's a name or someone who give him a test or, uh, you know, who'll punch back and uh, either test his chin or uh, or put him through his paces and give him, uh, you know, a work and or even put him through some sort of adversity. But I like to see him step up, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And we'll see. We'll just have to see. As I always say, you just it's just one of them things where you're just going to have to wait and see how they're progressing. We're giving him what we think should happen, but we're not the promoters. We're not the managers. We're just two guys who've got an opinion on, on where the fighters should go, and 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 that's that's where we think it should go. So let's go on. And go to the the final fighter on the card, which I uh, I wanted to cover on last weekend's action, which was Daniel Dubois beating Tom Little in five rounds. Daniel Dubois stepped up, which I was I was happy to see. I think Tom Little is a good step up for Daniel Dubois, and he dispatched of him in five rounds. Uh, very game Tom Little in that fight, and it was good to see Daniel Dubois go a few rounds and not just blow his opponent away. And Tom Little, you know, you, you've seen Tom Little in in some fights. Uh, he fought in his fight before uh, Dubois he fought Hergovic who's, who's, who's you know uh, touted to go on as a, a great potential world champion in the future so to, to, to have been in with the likes of him to, he's been in with people like you know Tom Dallas uh, Larry Alumbawu Al- Al- and uh, you've got your, your names on there that you recognise from the heavyweight domestic circuit so he's he wasn't a slouch he wasn't just someone who'd come there for a payday he'd come there to fight but he was he, he struggled he couldn't he couldn't deal with the power of Dubai and it was good to see Dubai get another victory go a few more rounds pick up another little professional title he's now got the southern area heavyweight title so he's picked that up before he's picked the English heavyweight title up now and and really logically they want to take him on and they want to move him on uh, in the right direction but they don't want to stick him in with with too many fighters that are are not going to give him any difficulties it was good to see him like I say go a few rounds in this one and you know have to actually think about what he was doing and not be able to just blow his opponents away you know with the first or or second punch so it was good good to see that and Dubai is looking like a good prospect but again like we just said with Anthony Yard you want to see him in with another big fighter now you want to start seeing the domestic fighters coming through and they've actually according to Box Rec they've got him at number 10 on the list of British heavyweights so he's actually broke into the top 10 so he's in there with the likes of Joe Joyce David Price Nathan Gorman who, who is a fight that has been talked about a lot with Dubai and then we've got Derek Chisora Huey Fury Dillian White Bell who's ranked at number three uh, Tyson Fury and Joshua so I mean you want to see him in with some some bigger fighters now I mean looking down further down the list you, you've got the likes of Gary Cornish Sam Sexton Nick Webb Dave Allen who fought Tony Yoka last weekend so there's some fights there that you could throw him in with to get him an extra couple of fights before you really start stepping him up I mean I'd like to see him fight someone like Sam Sexton who, who lost the British heavyweight title to Huey Fury earlier on this year you know that's a big fight for him that's a good fight that's a good learning 
winning fight for him. If he demolishes Sexton, he looks good in doing it. And he's beat someone who's been a British heavyweight champion and been in with some of the best Britain's got. Or you've got Dave Allen, who's been in with some of the, the randomest of characters, but... He is a guy that can take a punch and a guy that can give punches. So that would be good. That would be a good fight for him. You know, these are two names that I'd like to see him in with. Uh, Nick Webb, uh, an undefeated prospect there. You know, you could stick him in. This, this, the, the, the options are limitless, really, when it comes to, to heavyweight boxing. It's just a case of whether the promoters will put him in with these types of fighters or whether they'll keep swerving him. I mean, the logical fight, like I said earlier, Hamed, was the Nathan Gorman fight because they're both promoted by uh, Frank Warren. So you'd expect that they'd want to have that that fight at some point but it's like I've said before in previous episodes of the podcast it's like they're trying to keep the build on this one for a little bit longer and keep the wheels rolling and, and build the hype between and we're both picking up good wins and I think you eventually are going to have to see this fight soon because there's nowhere else for them logically to go other than fighting some of the domestic fighters I've just mentioned there but going back to Daniel Dubois then Hamed what did you make of his performance and what would you like to see from him next? I think this was a better fight than the Yard fight. I kind of fell asleep. I was falling asleep through the Yard fight. I don't think that was that good of a fight. I think this was a good matchup on paper. I think, like you said, he stepped up a level. I think uh, Tom Little provided a test and went rounds. I thought it was a really good performance. And I've been sold on um, not yet. I've been sold on uh, Dubois. I mean, uh, for a while. I think he's a prospect just like Yard as well. And uh, I've been sold on Yard as well. But I've different types of career. I think Dubois is kind of in the beginning stage of his career. But the thing with Dubois, I think the fight before this, I don't think he looked that good. Even though I think he won the fight in the third or second round. I can't remember which round it was. But he was kind of, I think, uh, pushing his shots and kind of forcing them. And was kind of uh, looked tired at one stage. I thought in this fight he paced himself well. I thought he answered some questions. I think he got he took a couple of shots as well. I'd like to see him fight uh, as for going in the future. I'd like to see him fight Gorman. I think that'll be the right test. I think he's coming along quite uh, well. I think they're promoting him well. I think uh, I wouldn't mind the fight to Dave Allen or Sexton or anyone who falls outside the top ten. I think Cornish as well is the other name. But I think if they could get Cornish, uh, not Cornish, if they could get uh, Gorman next, and I mean, that's another top ten. That's a, a, a top ten, I mean, British level opponent. And I mean, that'll be another step in the right direction and you know his ranking will get better and I think uh, if they could do that then his opponent uh, will be getting better as well and I think he could be moving in the direction he wants to go and slowly but surely could be challenging for the British level title and then the European and uh, hopefully world title level and I mean uh, looking at the top 10 British level uh, fighters I mean there's a very healthy domestic scene I mean I think the best heavyweights are in Britain at the moment I mean you've got Josh Rhodes got four three of the major belts and and the IBO if you could include that you've got Fury uh, coming back and you've got Bellu and Chisora and White, I mean, and then you got Joyce and Dubois as the prospects. I think Joyce and Dubois would be a really good fight, but I don't think uh, promoters for Dubois would want to take such a risky fight. I think they'll want to try and build that fight. Uh, I think... I think the Gorman fight is probably the most realistic and the best option going forward. I mean, um, if they can get another fight, uh, say, before that, if they want to just get him out again against someone like Cornish or someone like that, then that'll be okay. I like the Nick Webb fight. I'm not too sure if Nick Webb's kind of gone back in, in, in 
the reverse direction. I was hearing that they were chasing the fight with Joe Joyce, but I haven't heard what, about Nick Webber recently or what his next fight is, but that, that won't be that bad a fight. But I'm, I'm really sold on Dubois, and I think only time will tell how good he could be, but he's definitely the one for the future, and I think the heavyweight division looks really good, especially domestically. Yeah, it certainly does. Well, let's move on, Hamed. Let's go to the next segment of the show, and it's this week in box. In history. Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! The dream is made real! Ricky Hatton rocks the world! How do you like it? How do you like it? Do you know shit about boxing? I wish I was 50 years younger you and I'd care. kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia, he's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! So it's this week in boxing history and I've picked up two this week that I feel were quite notable ones and and probably ones that I I remember watching in my lifetime. There's a lot of other ones that I could have picked out this week but I wanted to save the recording of the show for some of the stuff that's been going on in the news and gossip section. So I'll briefly touch on these two fights. So the first one was the 25th of June and it was 2005 and it was Floyd Mayweather knocking out Arturo Gatti in six rounds to win the WBC Super Lightweight title. And I remember this fight as being a a very one-sided fight and it was uh, pretty sad to see Gatti dismantled the way he was in this one from from what I remember. And it's a good one to watch for YouTube, for sure. It's definitely one that I would recommend going having a look at in terms of a master at work when it comes to Floyd Mayweather and obviously a, a fearless warrior in Arturo Gatti trying his best but not succeeding in this fight and it's a, it's a good one to go back and look at on YouTube so there you go there's the first one for this week 25th of June 2005 and then the one that I wanted to touch on a bit more a bit more briefer was the uh, 28th of June 1997 Evander Holyfield wins by a disqualification against Mike Tyson to retain the WBA heavyweight title but that wasn't the headline event of that night it was the fact that Mike Tyson got so frustrated in the third round that he bit Evander Holyfield's ear off or a piece of Evander Holyfield's ear and spat it on the floor in the middle of the fight which caused the disqualification and that is what that fight is always remembered for is Evander Holyfield's ear being bitten off and I'll never forget it and Hamed it's something that again a lot of people look up on YouTube and you always associate Mike Tyson with this event for the career that he had it's also something the bad side of him that you'll always remember him for isn't it yeah it's, uh, I, I've got kind of vague memories of that I think I was about four or five years old but I think I was in my, in my uncle's car and I think he was talking about it and I think the bite really is one of the probably most infamous moments of Tyson's career probably one of his lowest moments as well but it's definitely something that when you talk about that fight it's definitely something that first comes to mind and it was kind of uh, a great shame that the fight ended like that because I thought that was a great fight and could have shaped out to be a really good fight but that's really one of the boxing history highlights like uh, when that fight comes to mind I mean it's one of the most um, eye-catching moments in boxing all for the wrong reasons but definitely something that no one has forgotten it's an unforgettable moment in boxing yeah, no, absolutely is, and that's all concludes it. It's a bit of a shorter version of the boxing history this week uh, because we are recording a little bit later on in the week than what we normally do. Again, just due to the hectic schedules that we've uh, we've all got, but there'll be more to come in next week's episode. 
Just want to give a quick shout out to the sponsors for the podcast. It's Steroplast Healthcare Limited. And this week we've got the launch of the KO Tape. The undisputed champion of tapes is finally here. And it was launched this week at Steroplast headquarters. And you had the likes of Zelfa Barrett, Jimmy Kelly, Lyndon Arthur, to name but three great Northwest fighters. Ben Sheeda, Danny Wright, people like that, local fighters that have been using this tape and have swore by it. And you'll see it more and more because it's getting around more and more. It's great, it's fantastic, really, really great product. Go to the Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat YouTube page. Find some of the interviews recently that we've done. Find the comments from the guys that have been fighting using this tape on their hands and how much of a difference it makes. So, if you've not already heard about it, get over to the website. It's www.kotape.co.uk. So let's get on then and let's move on to what's going on this weekend. And uh, I'm not going to go too detailed with this one this week, Ahmed, because there is a few fights on this weekend. But I wanted to save, like I said, the segment of the show for news and gossip because so much that's gone on over the past two weeks. And because we missed the podcast recording, we weren't able to do it last week. There's lots of developments and I, and I want to talk more about them. But the fights this weekend, there's a really tasty fight between John O'Carroll and Declan Geraghty, who was on the last episode that we broadcast. Declan Geraghty, you heard him in the interview of you talking about how he, how he thinks he's going to beat John O'Carroll so that's a good fight to watch out for this weekend on the same bill Tyrone McKenna steps in to face Jack Catterall I think he got about four or five weeks notice or something for that one so Tyrone McKenna's really up for this one he's been on the podcast before a few months ago Michael Conlon it's Michael Conlon's homecoming he's back on the show against Adilson Dos Santos who has only lost uh, to Jesse Magdaleno in the past that's the big name that he's got on his record so that'll be a good test for Conlon there Sam Eggington back in the ring against Peter Kramer. Uh, Peter Kramer, we actually seen him on the Sexton Fury undercard. He drew with Peter McDonough, which was uh, a, a bit of a, an upset, so to speak, even though he was the undefeated fighter because he's only had eight fights. He was a novice pro, so good to see how he gets on against Sam Eggington, who's, who's looking to make a statement of super welterweight. And then we've got Gilberto Ramirez and his fourth defence of the WBO super middleweight title against Alexis uh, Roma Alexis Angulo this weekend as well. So, good few fights to touch on there. Uh, good few ones to catch up with over the weekend. But I really wanted to save, like I say, the best or last, really, which uh, is going to be the news and gossip section. So, let's get to that one now. So, news and gossip. Let's go through some of the big stories of the week. I want to start at the top of this, and I don't want to go with the obvious ones. I want to go with some of the other ones that might not get as much coverage because of the big fights that have been going on and the big announcements that have been going on. So, the first one is uh, a gentleman I caught up with last Friday in Callum Johnson, who's actually had his fight announcement without uh, Baturbiev on the 6th of October for the IBF light heavyweight title. Finally gets an announcement. I spoke to him at the show before I did the interview and he said there was no way he was going to turn this fight down. He's 32 years of age. He's got a great amateur pedigree and he's going to take that chance and he thinks on his day he, he can do it. He can beat him. So he's, he's not he does, he's not scared. He didn't show any signs of weakness to me. He didn't show any indication that he, he, he fears in this fight. So what do you make of that one? I think uh, it's a, a big step up definitely for Callum Johnson but I mean like I said about Yard, I mean, if you're not going to fight the domestic guys, I'm not saying Callum Johnson isn't. I think he had a really good win over Buglioni. I mean, why not grasp these opportunities? Fights like this don't come along too often. I think I think he may be this, but I mean, what's the worst you could do? Uh, you might as well give it a go. And sometimes you could come away as a, 
as a as a winner in defeat as well. But I think he should give it a go. I mean, Petrubiev on the flip side is quite inactive. He's only had one fight, I think, in the last 12 months against Eric Kohling. I think that was in October last year. I think Johnson, what I've seen of him, he looks like a good fighter. And I think it's not too, not too bad of a step up as to, I think, uh, as many people would probably think. I think he's probably might be a better fighter than the last guy the Petrubia fought which is Coling uh, I think it's a good fight and I, I'm looking forward to it I think it is still a, in, if I'm being honest still a big step up I think Petrubia is a, definitely on a different level but uh, I think uh, Johnson could give it a really good go and could probably do better than some people probably anticipate I think what it is with Johnson he's got the amateur background and he said it before and he's fought Russians, he's fought Ukrainians, he's fought the Europeans before, so he knows the style. He's a big puncher, and it was evident his punches were big when he beat Buglione. And not a lot of people had seen that from him before, and I think that's where he's really sort of announced himself. Uh, and he's won the British Commonwealth titles, and he's taking that big step up straight to the RBF title. Can he do it? I hope he can. I really hope he can. But you've also got to look at the flip side, like you say, Hamed, and look at Baterbiev. He looks like a monster. Is he like the next, you know, big European fighter like Golovkin? You know, is he the, what, is he the one that's going to take that sort of mantle? piece as a feared fighter well it remains to be seen doesn't it and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see come October the 6th we haven't had a, an announcement for venues yet so uh, from what Callum told me it's going to be in the USA so we'll, we'll see what happens there and we'll see where it gets the venue but you know best of luck to Callum for that one it's an exciting fight and I don't think it'll last long and again off camera he was saying to me it, it isn't going to last long so that sounds like to me they, they know they've got to take their chance and, and maybe have to try and blow him away so we'll see if that's the game plan come fight night but I am looking forward to it and I, I'm really happy for uh, for Callum Johnson uh, with the story as well that goes behind it so really happy for him that one but Hamed moving on let's go to the next one that's been announced today actually a press conference for Amir Khan versus Samuel Vargas in a final eliminator for the regular WBO welterweight title which uh, the he's been contested by Matisse and Manny Pacquiao soon so what do you think about that fight for Amir Khan do you think that's a good step up since he's filled the Greco fight um, I'm not too sure how that, uh, this fight is uh, eliminated for the WBA belt what I've seen of Vargas I don't think he's really that worthy as a final eliminator type of fighter uh, I'm not going to blame Khan and I'm not going to take uh, give him too much stick uh, because I think the the knockout defeat he had against Canelo was so bad, and how long you so inactive, uh, how long he was inactive for was such a long time, and uh, just uh, it's taken so long for him to fight as well against uh, his last opponent, Phil Greco, and now only lasted what was it, like twenty or thirty seconds, and he I think he dropped him after about ten seconds. I think we we need him to answer some questions. I think Vargas can take him round. Uh, I don't think he'll be the test we'll probably see from Khan yet. I don't think is the test like some people want to see him actually get tested I think the only thing from this fight I could look at him Vargas might take him rounds but I watched him against Danny Garcia and he was taking shots a lot of shots and uh, I think Khan's style will probably be a nightmare for him for someone who walks into shots like Vargas I think Khan will be a huge favourite and a big favourite but I mean Khan came off a a bad loss and he was very inactive so I'm not going to blame him too much but for Khan taking my feelings aside I think that's really good if it is a WBA eliminator because I mean he could have an option to fight the winner of Pacquiao Matisse if he wins this fight and I I think he might fancy his chances of fighting the winner of that fight then 
Brook because uh, I think uh, I think for him probably he'll want a, a fighter, a Pacquiao uh, type of fighter, and I think he missed out with Mayweather and and he failed to fight Pacquiao a couple of years ago. So I think uh, that's the good thing. But I think he's not too bad of a fighter, if I'm being honest. Not too bad of a fight. No, I think what you've said is kind of right, really, with this one. Is that he has been out for a while? He comes back and he doesn't really get enough rounds under the belt against Phil Greco. So he's going in against a guy who has been in with Danny Garcia, a former Khan opponent, and Errol Spence Jr. Yes, he has lost to them opponents, but it shows you that he has been in with some quality, quality operators. So you'll expect some rounds out of this one, but you do kind of feel that it's going to be another Khan night. Whether he'll blow him away as quick as he did Greco remains to be seen, but it's, it's, it's good to know that he's getting back out now and he wants to be active. He said it in the interviews today. He wants to be as active as possible. If he wins this fight, he's got the option to potentially fight Manny Pacquiao in the future. Will that come off? Well, we wanted it, but I think Khan will get criticised if he does eventually fight him because it'll be two, three years too late and you'll expect Khan to be more, more the favourite because of being the younger, fresher man and not a shot-worn. Even though he has had some bad defeats, he hasn't really been shot-worn as in the way Manny Pacquiao has and the way he's had to move through the weights throughout the years and 38 years of age and you know the the, the, the political stuff he does in his, his own country and there's a lot of stuff surrounding Manny Pacquiao and I think um, if a fight was to ever come off yeah people would want to watch it I'd want to watch it but it won't be the same fight that we were expecting to see a couple of years ago but fair play to Khan for, for trying to push himself back into world title contention and, and, and get another world title and I think the fight with Vargas be a good fight for him get him some rounds under the belt we'll get to see a bit more of him see if he's still got what it takes uh, to potentially hang with the big boys again I think he does but will again remains to be seen with Amir Khan and I'm looking forward to, to seeing him back in the ring and we'll, we'll see what happens uh, come September but uh, Hamed I know there's another fight you wanted to really really talk about uh, and it's not the Anthony Joshua fight it's the Danny Jacobs fight so <laughs> you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about this one because it's um, it was Daniel Jacobs uh, announced that he looks like he's going to be fighting I don't know if it has it been confirmed against Sergey uh, Duren- I can't even pronounce his name Derenkachevkov Deryachenko oh Deryachenko uh, there you go <laughs> yeah I don't think it's confirmed but it's the most likely scenario I think uh, Jacobs is the number one uh, I, th- I mean Deryachenko is the number one mandatory challenger for the IBF belt which Golovkin got stripped of yeah, I was kind of uh, disappointed and uh, I was kind of ashamed that we never got to see Golovkin and Deryachenko I think that would have been a great fight instead we had to see the Vanes fight and I think that was a mismatch but I think Jacobs is next in line and I don't think Jacobs will want to pass on this after Canelo opted to fight Golovkin and that fight with Canelo didn't materialize for I think September with Jacobs was trying to his team was trying to finalize but I think this is the next uh, fight that they probably want to take because I mean he will try to fight as well for the IBF title and uh, I really like the fight I think it will be on HBO in America I think with uh, Eddie Hume promoting Jacobs I think they'll probably stick on Sky Sports but I really like the fight I've been very sold on Derechenko I think he's probably one of the hottest prospects in the division I think he's arguably got what it takes to get to the top level if he could get through this fight and uh, I, I, I think he probably fancies chances I mean they're both uh, stable mates they're both trainers I think the same trainer Andre Rosia I think they probably know each other's style inside out 
So the fight will probably gel up well. I think Derechenko should fancy his chances on how Jacobs has looked in his last two fights. I don't think he's looked that good, uh, especially in his last fight. The fight before, I think he did what he had to do. He just couldn't get the kill, but I mean, he's fighting the guy who was there to survive. I didn't think he looked that good, uh, Jacobs, in his last fight against Sulecki, but uh, I think it's a good fight, and hopefully this could get made as soon as possible, uh, around about the time Golovkin and Canelo uh, clash in that huge rematch on pay-per-view in their fight on HBO pay-per-view in America. So uh, the fans could try and get to see four, four of the top middleweights, especially two of the top middleweights between Golovkin and Canelo. And then I think Jacobs, many people are probably regarding him as at least the top five, probably a top four at least. I think Billy Joe Saunders is around about three as, as he's got that the title. But Devachenko will probably look to try and crack the top five on uh, in my opinion, on what I've seen of him, I think this guy is probably one of the best uh, prospects, it, definitely from the Eastern European bloc. Uh, and he looks like the real deal, and he looks like he's got all the tools to have what it takes to be a champion and the next big thing in the middleweight division. It's a, it's a fight that I'm looking forward to, Hamed. I've got to admit it. It's a fight that I, um, I've i not really seen much of um, Deryachenko. I've not really seen much of him, I'll be honest with you. But after looking him up and seeing some of the recent fights he's had, it, it looks like this is really going to be shaping up to be a good one when it does happen and it looks like it's happening I think we're just waiting for official confirmation on it and Danny Jacobs just wants to get himself back up there again he had a great fight with Golovkin very close fight with Golovkin I think he deserves another big opportunity he, he's going to go in uh, with a great fighter and you know hopefully whoever wins it you know then potentially goes on to maybe face the winner of Golovkin Canelo I mean we'd like to see Billy Joe Saunders in the mix somewhere but again politics might change all that and, and money talks and will you sell a Danny Jacobs fight over there more than you would a Billy Joe's fight you probably would so that's what you've got, got to think about at the end of it all as much as we don't like it as we want to see the big fights all happen money does talk and if they can sell it more on HBO and Showtime then then that's what they're going to do but it's a fight I'm looking forward to yeah I've got, I will say that but there's also another fight that I am really looking forward to which is on the list to talk about today and it was the WBC confirming that Luke Campbell will rematch even Mende in a lightweight final eliminator in the UK in September and this has been talked about a couple of times I've, I've seen it on social media being rumoured around for probably about six seven weeks now and now it looks like it's, it's officially being confirmed that this is going to happen that they're the number one and number two on the list and they've got a fight for a final eliminator and I think it's from, from what I remember it was for Mikey Garcia's title um, does, he, does he have the WPC Mikey Garcia at lightweight I think he does doesn't he I'm just trying to think off the top of my head because I just remember it being a, a massive fight if, if either one of them came through and obviously from a British perspective Perspective. You want Luke Campbell to come through, but the first fight with Ivan Mendy, he just uh, just didn't look himself at all in, in in that one. And we've seen him since come back and have some really great fights and really great performances. And I think now this fight happens again. I think he'd win it. I do think he'd beat him this time round. I think he's just a really odd off night that night, and it happens. And it was a learning fight for him, and he learned the hard way. And I'm looking forward to seeing this one because I'm looking forward to seeing how he, he would actually get a potentially big opportunity and I've just looked on, on online and it is Mikey Garcia who's actually the WBC champion so a fight there with Mikey Garcia on the line what, what a fight that would be but going back to the Ivan Mendy Luke Campbell fight do you remember the first fight Hamid and, and, and what do you make yeah, of this yeah. second fight yeah, I remember, I think it was on one of the Joshua undercard, but I think it was on the Joshua Dillian White undercard, and uh, I thought that was 
I thought that was a good learning curve fight. I always say uh, with these prospects, I think it's good to match them up tough early. So when they do get to a stage and then the tough fight, they know how to they know how to dig deep and know how to answer or face some sort of adversity. And I think this fight helped him in his fight with Jorge Linares, which I thought he put up a very good fight, which was a close fight as well. I thought Linares won about seven rounds, arguably eight, but I think the knockdown kind of separated them. Some people thought the knockdown won it for Linares, but Luke Campbell came back well in that fight. I think he'll probably need to win this fight or answer the questions in this fight because the fact that he lost that first fight, I think he got decked as well for the first time in his career. Yeah, and uh, I think this is a good rematch fight. Uh, I, I think I like the fight, and I think the fact is, uh, I think you said he's eliminator, if I'm correct. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a good uh, matchup then for a final eliminator. I think uh, I think it's a good fight and. It, it's definitely the right direction uh, Campbell wants to go into and I think they've been talking about Campbell fighting Lomachenko but I mean if he beats uh, Mendy then I think why not he could, he could fight whoever he wants I mean uh, he's definitely got the tools to, uh, to be a world champion as he showed against Linares uh, I'd like to see I'd like to definitely see him again on that level and I think this is probably the right direction he'd want to go, uh, go in and I think a win will probably taken yeah absolutely well the one final piece of uh well it's probably a huge gossip this week and i don't want to spend the complete rest of the show on it but first of all we've got the final announcement uh, of Andy joshua's ex-opponent which is alexander povetkin but there's been all the uh, all the bullshit going up in the background i'm gonna call it bullshit because it is because all we've seen overshadowing the fact that this fight's happening is the fact that the contracts again between Wilder and Joshua and I don't want to spend all night in it I've said it before if they're going to make the fight just make the fight stop toying with everybody you know people they don't need to sell it they don't need to sell the fight it sells itself so they don't need to do all this to and fro and they just need to get an uh, an agreement in, in place and I've heard all this stuff about how there was a rematch clause if uh, if Joshua got beat uh, of, of Wilder and then there was a contract saying that there'd be no rematch clause Clause in it, and then there was all sorts of other little nitty details which are, are coming out over social media, and it, it, you, do, you never know 100% who to believe in the in, in, in the in the situation and the party, and, and which party is telling the truth and which one isn't. But I, I want to focus on the fight that's been announced, which is the Joshua Povetkin one. So they're looking at they're looking at the 22nd of September in at Wembley again. So that that I, I want to see it. I do want to see it. I've said this before in previous podcasts. Who do I want to see in fact? and I said who will he fight next and I said it'll be Povetkin and then I reckon if it's not Wilder it'll probably be Jarrell Miller and then Wilder and I think that's the way they're going to do it and so far they've ticked one box for me which is the Povetkin fight they'll do it here the fight builds even more they'll either give him the Wilder fight after the Povetkin fight or they'll go with like Joshua goes to the US and fights a big US name like Jarrell Miller who's undefeated and then he builds his reputation over there ready for the big fight in America so that it sells more so that when he's at basketball games, he'll actually get called Anthony Joshua and not Anthony Johnson. So that, 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 that's the way I see it going, Hamid. Uh, but the fight with Povetkin, it's been announced. Are you happy? What do you make of it? I'm not really happy. As a fan, I wanted to see the Wilder fight. But going back, I think I kind of seen this and I said it. I think Andy Hoon is a shrewd matchmaker. I've said it for you. I think the Klitschko fight they're posturing for in 2016 and... 
Uh, I don't think that fight happened until 2017 April, and I think with this fight as well, I think after the Parker fight, I think Kern wasn't really going to make this fight uh, in this year. I think they wanted to build it up. They always heard a scene going on about pay-per-view numbers in America that I wouldn't crack uh, however numbers, how many, many numbers. He'd always go on about uh, stuff like Wilder not being a draw. I mean, if the fight was going to be in the UK, I don't know why he was worrying about that. I'll say one thing. I know there's been a lot of post but some people don't know who to believe. But I think Wilder's team wanted the fight more than Joshua. I think Wilder's uh, team and the network Showtime, uh, Steven Espinosa, who's the head of Showtime Boxing, has come out making statements that uh, and his team were trying to lowball a lot of these offers and basically trying to offer Wilder, you know, the lowest amount of offers and trying to lure him into a fight or a contract uh he was worth way more then. So, I mean, for people that are seeing that Wilder should have signed the contract, we don't know all the details of the contract and we don't know what the what the process of the contract was or whether or not it was a fair contract. Uh, was going on about that. But I, I kind of got sick of this as well. And it got to a point, I think, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I don't think this fight is going to happen. And I think uh, I kind of want to stop talking about it. It kind of was like the Golovkin-Canelo situation, the rematch. But I, I think we all knew that golovkin Canelo rematch is going to happen. But going back to the golovkin Canelo first fight, I remember that fight took about 16, to 17 months uh, to finalise and I think it'll be the same with this this fight will happen but we'll have to wait until 2019 Povetkin fight talking about that I remember I was there in Cardiff when Joshua fought uh, Joseph Parker and uh, Povetkin was on the undercard I don't know if that was uh, already planned from him to pull along that prolonged that he was going to pour Povetkin in with him uh, sooner rather than later but I think at that time as well, they were trying to make that some sort of WBA eliminator for Joshua's title, uh, WBA title, and I think they've got the fight now. Uh, I think Povetkin is a controversial character with his uh, uh, history with all the drug tests, failing, uh, I think, a couple for, I think it was Nandrolone and Osterin, and uh, I think it will be a fight that was bound to happen and will happen. Uh, probably at Wembley, but for the fight, actually, I don't think it's that bad of a matchup. I think as a fan and as a boxing subscriber, just I think kind of spoiled of just want to see the best fights, and uh, I think wanting to see the Wilder fight, and we want to see you want to see unifications. But I don't think it's that bad a fight. I think Povetkin is arguably the number three heavyweight in the world. The only thing is, why risky against Povetkin? I mean, same for Wilder. One of these guys could get knocked out in the next fight. I mean, do you really want to put that massive fight, massive pain? huge unification clash at risk with one of these fights I mean Wilder could possibly get stopped by a Brazil or a I'm not too sure if he's going to fight I think uh, any whoever he fights next but I think they've been talking about Charles Martin but I mean uh, Joshua on the other hand is in a really dangerous fight and I think Povetkin has a serious punches chance against him I think I probably favour Joshua but I think Joshua will have to fight a smart fight and will have to pick his shot and I think Povetkin could definitely cause upset I think it's a dangerous fight and that's why I'm not really a big fan of uh, marinating fights in the heavyweight division I always see if it's a big fight make it as soon as possible unless you got a scenario with the Tyson Fury situation but if this fight doesn't happen by this time next year I think they need to make the Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder fight I think if Fury could get himself into shape I'd like to see that fight uh, if the Joshua side don't want to make uh, the Wilder fight well, again it's, it's one of them it's been boiling over for so long and 
and yeah, you're right. It is getting a bit. It is getting a bit old to talk about. And I think really the final sort of words to say on it for me is either make the fight happen or, or don't make the fight happen. Either way, make fights happen that mean something. Going back to the Povetkin fight, Hamed, the the fight is for the WBA title and. He didn't have a choice, Joshua, with this one. Eddie Hearn did say it recently that it was either he drops the WBA title to try and really push for the Wilder fight or he has to defend that title and still try to negotiate a Wilder fight outside of that, which is what they're doing. They've gone for the latter option, which I don't blame them. They want to keep the titles. They want to keep the uh, the uh, WBA under their belt because it, it holds more sway when they come to the contract negotiations. But there is a risk, like you say, if he gets caught with one big shot, it's uh, negotiations are off the table then it's going to be a Wilder and Povetkin and then maybe a Tyson Fury fight in the future so things could go wrong here but I think a lot of people do ex- do expect Joshua to, 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 to walk through him because Povetkin really his style is kind of made for Joshua much like Joseph Parker's was although Joseph Parker you know he, he, he was a very very tough man he took a lot of you know punches he, he did really well in that fight he got a lot of credit for it which is why he's now ending up fighting Dillian White which is another great fight for the future which we're looking forward to but I think yeah. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, Joshua inside and Joshua's team and Joshua held all the marbles. They got three of the four major belts. I mean, Joshua's the draw. Wilder's not really a draw. Joshua got all the pulling power in this fight. But from a French perspective of who wanted the fight more, I think Wilder's fight won. Once uh, Wilder side wanted the fight sooner rather than later, I'll say Joshua got more options there. Wilder definitely. I think Joshua uh, had this fight on the offer and uh, as an offer. And they, they couldn't refuse a mandatory uh, fight like this. I mean, they don't want to risk losing a belt. Why work so hard for this belt? I mean, I think the WBA made it clear they had about three or four months to negotiate. They couldn't reach a deal. I mean, both sides of the uh, of the promote, promotions have got their own story. I mean, I wouldn't read too much into one or the other. I've got my own opinions on, I think, who may be more to blame than the other. But I mean... It is what it is, and I think we're gonna uh, have to wait a bit longer. But I think Joshua Povetkin is not that bad of a fight. Then I think uh, Joshua had no choice basically, and I agree with you on that. I, I can't blame Joshua too much uh, in this, and I think he wants to keep his belt. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, Hamid, I think that about um, that about sums it up for me this week. I don't think I've got any. I haven't got anything else on my mind to be honest with you. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back on the air. It's good to be back recording, and uh, obviously we'll. We'll get back on next week and we'll get back to the uh, the standard weekly stuff. But um, we'll have to wait and see what happens with World Boxing Super Series. Obviously, there's going to be some more announcements in the coming days and see what happens with that. We'll look forward to the fights uh, over the weekend and uh, see what happens over the next week. Uh, Hamed, have you got anything else before I wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, is World Cup season. I mean, a lot of people have just been watching the World Cup and it's been a really good tournament. But as for boxing, I don't think there's much major boxing uh, in the coming, coming weeks. I mean, you got Conlon on the weekend in a kind of, I think, tuna fight for the direction he's heading. And I think you got Gilberto Ramirez fighting, I think, not the toughest of his challenges. But, I mean, I think the next major fight is probably Manny Pacquiao or Lucas Matisse, which I'm really looking forward to. And hopefully that fight goes ahead. Uh, but I think that's in the mid part of July. But I think at the moment, uh, I don't think there's much 
to add. I think we covered everything, and I think uh, it was a couple of stack cards of boxing last weekend, which I think we needed to cover, and we covered it quite well. Yeah, no, it's been brilliant, and it's been great to have you back on. So, to the listeners, to the guys that support us, thank you very much for listening to the podcast as always. Rate, review, and subscribe as always. Get over to YouTube, subscribe to Eat Sleep Boxing and Pete's YouTube channel. Find us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod, Facebook, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast, and you can find us on all different podcasting apps. You've got SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Castbox, iTunes, the lot. We're on there. We're looking forward to getting back to it, and we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.